Chevy Equinox with forward collision alert, automatic emergency braking, and available all-wheel drive. It's my ultimate mobile device. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com to schedule a test drive. Chevy Equinox. It's your choice. Own it. A Plier 720 WGN. That was the theme for WGN TV's Creature Features that so many grew up with and discovered some of the most classic horror movies of all time. It is a WGN radio tradition that ghost hunters would be on the station in the wee hours of the night to talk about the hauntings of Graceland Cemetery, Archer Avenue, the Willowbrook Ballroom, Montrose Point, the old lockup at the Maxwell Street Police Station, the Congress Hotel, and Resurrection Mary. So many years with WGN legends Eddie Schwartz and Stephen Johnny talking to Richard Crow. For the last decade, we've been telling these stories with ghost lorist Ursula Bielski, a longtime paranormal researcher. She's the author of Haunts of the White City, Chicago Haunts, and countless others. Her YouTube channel is Ursula Bielski's World of the Supernatural, and there's tours and events that you can be a part of at chicagoghost.org. And she herself grew up in a haunted house right here in Chicago. Joining us once again is Ursula Bielski. Good evening, Ursula. Good evening, Dave. How I love to hear that creature feature scene every <laughs> I know, <right>? year. <laughs> I know, right? It's, well, it's tradition. I mean, it is tradition it for us is. and on this station. Always great to have you with us. And by the way, if you folks ever want to jump into this conversation, we'll be talking for a little bit with Ursula about all hauntings Chicago. You got any questions for her? 312-981-7200. That's 312-981-7200. So tell folks, because this is one of the great ghost stories for you is how you got into all this and how you had you found interest at an early age. Absolutely. I, so many people know I grew up in a haunted house here on the north side of Chicago. I live about two miles west of Wrigley Field still and uh, just about a block away still from the house where I grew up. And, you know, we heard every single night footsteps walking up the stairs from the the vestibule of the house to the second floor where the bedrooms were. But as we were moving everything out of the house, for the first time in so many years, I realized, um, and I had passed by this this window in the, in the uh, on the landing of the staircase my whole life. And I knew the story, but I, I always forgot about it. There was a bullet hole in the the window that looked out on the landing of our staircase from when my dad shot at the ghost the very first whoa, night with whoa. his service revolver because they had uh, they bought the house after it was uh, kind of abandoned for a while and uh, so the first night he and my mom were in the house they heard someone walking around upstairs and my they thought someone was squatting in the house because it had been empty for a while mm. so he took his service revolver from the nightstand and went to confront whoever this was and wow. <laughs> said he he heard wow. these footsteps and shot yeah, just shot at this, this you know, whatever was coming up the stairs. And that bullet hole was in that window my entire life. And when we were packing up the house, I was like, oh, my gosh. Still that's there. Right. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, that's what, but that's what you experienced at an early age is you felt yeah, that presence. Literally, my very first memory was of being woken up by those footsteps. I must have been three years old when it happened. And, and it was something that was always there every night. So, you know, and people think, oh, you get used to something like that. Mm-hmm. Never got used to it. It was always very disturbing. And I'm sure that is why I got this great interest in the paranormal to understand what was happening in our house and, you know, 
luckily met many other people who had similar experiences so that I was in solidarity with many, many thousands of people now over these many, many years of research. Well, I don't want to break up the momentum here, but when we come back, we're going to start off with a story of Resurrection Mary next on 720 WGN. Stay Plyer here on 720 WGN. We're talking about all things haunted Chicago with Ursula Bielski. And if you have a haunted experience you'd like to share, th- call us 312-981-7200. All right, we, this is the big one. This is the one I always look forward to hearing about. And it's one of the most legendary stories in Chicago, probably one of the oldest ones that I heard of back in the 70s. And that is Ursula of Resurrection Mary. Resurrection Mary is the classic Chicago ghost story, and Resurrection Mary is one of many, many so-called vanishing hitchhikers or phantom hitchhikers who have been reported all over the world for really thousands of years. You know, the story is always the same. Someone, usually a man, traveling alone, um, is uh, riding along or driving along a deserted road at night and comes across this woman walking along the side of the road in a wedding dress or a party dress, and he offers her a ride home. But he can never quite get her to where she's going because she always vanishes from the car before they get to the destination. Well, our Resurrection Mary has become the most famous vanishing hitchhiker ever, because there are so many eyewitness accounts of her. These are not second and third hand stories. And what usually happens is that around one or two o'clock in the morning, a man will be traveling alone along Old Archer Avenue down in the Justice Willow Springs, Hickory Hills area. And he'll see this woman walking along the side of the road, and she's usually wearing what's described as an old-fashioned party dress, usually a white dress. And sometimes she has no shoes on. Sometimes she has what's described as dancing shoes on. And the man will pull over and offer her a lift, and she will get in the car, not really saying anything. Sometimes she'll give an address in the back of the yards neighborhood on the south side of Chicago. Sometimes she'll say, just drive up, Archer, just drive up, Archer. But uh, the gentleman will try to get her home, but he can never quite get her there because usually as they pass the gates of Resurrection Cemetery on Archer Road, the girl will either vanish from the car or she will jump out of the moving car and run right through the cemetery fence or right through the locked cemetery gates. And there was a really famous incident that happened in the 1970s that uh, it actually appeared on that old TV show. That's incredible. Remember that show mm-hmm. that used to be oh, on? Yeah. I think oh, yeah. it was on a Channel 7. Mm-hmm. And uh, the police officers who were on the scene uh, at this particular event appeared on the show and testified to what they had seen. And that is that this truck driver was passing the cemetery late one night. And I saw something out of the corner of his eye, and he looked over, and there was a a woman that had been locked inside the cemetery after closing time, and she was clutching the bars, looking very much afraid. So the driver turned the truck around, and he went to the police station uh, back down the road, and he said, yeah, there's this girl locked in the cemetery, and she looks like she's going to die of fright. You better get over there. Mm -hmm. So they called the caretaker to meet them at the gates. But when they arrived there, the girl was nowhere to be found. But the bars, these solid bronze bars that the driver had seen this girl clutching had been pried apart and mangled as if by some incredible force with what they described as handprints burned into 
the bars where you could actually see, you know, the lines of the fingers Mm. burned into the bars and the fingerprints burned into the bars. Well, of course, thousands of people came from all over in the weeks that followed to see these bars with these handprints that people believed that had been made by Resurrection Mary, the famous ghost. And the cemetery finally had the bars cut out and repaired and then soldered them back into place. But for years, whenever you passed there, you could see that that spot where the handprints had been had become discolored again and blackened. So even from the road, Mm. it was obvious where those handprints had been and those bars had been bent. It was almost as if if Mary was, you know, defying attempts to get rid of that evidence of her. Well, who was Mary, though? There was many Marys, wasn't there? Many, many Marys. That's what's so fascinating about the story, too, is that, you know, every neighborhood you go to on the south side of Chicago... um, it's like there's a different girl who actually lived and died, usually a Long Arch Avenue in a car crash, that people tie to this story. Uh, you know, uh, pro- the most famous story for many years was the story that Richard Crow um, had uncovered, and that was the connection to Mary Bergovi, who was a factory worker who lived on uh, South Damon Avenue, right, Damon and 47th Street, back of the yards. Um, and she had died in a car crash uh, right by the Chicago River in the Chicago Loop in 1934 and was buried at Resurrection Cemetery. And there were uh, some circumstances that led people to believe that Mary Bergovi was the girl that was now being seen along Archer Avenue by Mary's old friends when they were going to and from the old Willowbrook Ballroom on Saturday night. And then, you know, when I after I wrote my first book, Chicago Haunts, uh, back in you know the mid nineteen nineties, this gentleman contacted me, Frank Andrew Jasich, um, and he lived in um, uh, Summit, just that that town that's just north of where the cemetery mm-hmm. is, right. and he told me that his parishioners at St. Joseph's uh, in Summit believed that this little girl named Anna Norcus, who had died on the eve of her thirteenth birthday in nineteen twenty-seven, was actually the girl who had become Resurrection Mary. And let me tell you, I put the picture. It's a fascinating story that he told me, and he had gathered so much evidence about it. And I actually put the pic, the the, the communion first communion photo of Anna Norcus because um, she had been buried in her first communion dress because she had just recently made her first communion before her death. I put her picture on the cover of my second book. Mm-hmm, yeah. Nine men contacted me and told me that that was the girl wow. that they had picked up on Archer Avenue with stories, some of them as early as the 1940s, some of them as recently as when I was writing. Someone had just picked her up a couple of months before he contacted me. And I had someone, people always say, do they still pick her up? Uh, someone contacted me about three or four years ago who had just moved to Chicago, and he was a truck driver. He'd moved to Chicago to get a route where he could go home at night. And he was passing through downtown Summit about 4 o'clock in the morning, and he saw this girl, and he said, a first communion dress with a communion veil on, and short, blonde hair, like a bobbed haircut, standing on the corner, kind of dancing around and laughing, 4 o'clock on a Wednesday morning. And he had contacted me and said, I just moved into Chicago, and I was wondering if there were any ghost stories along our trip. Really? Oh, wow. Wild. Oh, yeah. And I was like, hmm, as a matter of fact, there yeah. are. Well, and you talk about dancing. I mean, just down, right by, by there is the Willowbrook Ballroom, or was a Willowbrook Ballroom before, before it burned down in 2016. But that whole stretch of Archer Avenue and the Willowbrook Ballroom are all tied in to the story in some way. 
Yes. You know, I, um, you know, with this pandemic and everything with, our, you know, our tours were shut down for almost six months. And so I was just going crazy trying to come up with ways to keep in touch with, um, you know, with our followers and everything. And I started making these little documentaries and I, I made what turned out to be an hour-long documentary about the ghosts of Archer Avenue, uh, which is on YouTube if anyone's interested in watching it. But uh, it really is fascinating, Dave. I have come to believe that Archer Avenue is what um, many people call a ley line. And this is like a an ancient line or track in the environment that has like sacred or spiritual energies. And I think Native Americans really put down their roads or their trails over these sacred or spiritual lines of energy because yeah. you'll find that along these ancient trails in chicago there are all of our diagonal streets like milwaukee grand sure. avenue right. lincoln avenue archer avenue these are all the ancient indian trails you find a lot of paranormal activity along these and there is no more haunted version of this yeah. than archer avenue we call it the archer avenue triangle actually that whole area um that whole like palos Forest Reserve just uh, division and Archer Avenue, Keene Avenue, all those cemeteries that are there, the water in the area too that we we think really contributes to the paranormal activity. Water is such a great conduit for paranormal activity. But yeah, the Willowbrook Ballroom, you know, it was known famously as the place where Resurrection Mary had her last dance, and um, people would often dance with this mysterious woman there and then try to drive her home uh, and be unable to because she'd vanished from the car. Mm But, you know, the owners of the Willowbrook uh, would talk to me all the time about uh, the fact that the place was very haunted, not just by her. And there were lots of encounters uh, with ghosts out on the dance floor and in different areas of the building. So it was a very actively haunted place. You know, not surprisingly, somewhere like that that was so beloved by so many people over so many years. I know it's such a bummer that, I mean, it, it burned to the ground in October 2016. There's been conversations about rebuilding it. But, I mean, this is a place that hosted bands like Count Basie, the Glenn Miller Orchestra, Chubby Checker, the Village People. I mean, this was kind of yeah. a, a little local hub. But I remember my my grandparents are, are buried at Resurrection Cemetery. And I remember going past the Willowbrook Ballroom just after I heard that story and saw the sign. And, and it freaked me out just knowing that's where so many of these stories came from. 312-981-7200. More with Ursula after the news. All right, it's Dave Player back with you here on 720 WGN. We're talking to Ursula Bielski. Is there a cemetery in Chicago that you experienced something unusual, whether it was Graceland or Bachelors Grove? Yeah, well, Bachelors Grove was a place. Uh, I did a, a television show a couple of years ago mm-hmm. um, called uh, Haunted Case Files. And the, if anyone's seen I'm sure people have seen the series. I think it's on uh, uh, Destination America. And uh, the whole the whole series is uh, about paranormal investigators their their most terrifying experiences, and so it was the three most terrifying experiences of my career, and that was number one. And it was in uh, June of twenty twelve. It was right after Richard Crow had passed away, and uh, I had actually at Richard Crow's funeral, I had met this young man who was a steward at Bachelors Grove Cemetery, and. He had offered to take me on a like kind of you know behind the scenes tour of the history of the cemetery, and so we had gone out there in the afternoon. It was a very very hot day in June, and then we had gone and eaten dinner afterwards. And then he said, "Do you want to go back after it got dark?" And I hadn't. It, it, no one should ever do this because it's forest reserve and it's off sure. limits after closing time. But this gentleman was a steward, so um, so we went back in at night, and it was this magical experience. I mean, it was. 
you know, it was one of those magical experiences in life. You know what I'm talking yeah. about, where it's this kind of mystical experience. And it was great. And we went into the cemetery and um, talked about the ghosts, and we recorded some some uh, audio tape and things like that. And then we left to go back to our cars, which we had parked over you know, a few blocks away. So we had to walk through the woods to go to our cars and we got lost. And this, I was with this young man who had, uh, he had been at the, the store of the cemetery for so many years. He estimated that he had been in the woods around the cemetery uh, probably 2000 times. And he had mapped and marked all of the trails around the cemetery. So he could walk this in his sleep, you know, blindfolded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. We got lost. And we were lost for over four hours in the cemetery. Wow. And we started to have those experiences that people talk about at Bachelors Grove, like seeing lights or seeing the lights of cars in the distance that disappear, seeing the lights of houses that disappear. And we would go to, we'd go like, oh, thank God it's the road, you know, because it's surrounded by like subdivisions and stuff, right? It's in the suburbs. And then we started to realize that something was, you know, messing with us. Someone was, something was giving us these visions, these apparitions, uh, and making us feel like we were nearing, you know, we had found safety, and then pulling it away from us. Wow. Scare us. Wow. Wow. And, those and that's are... what happens at places like this. You know, these, they, everyone will tell you, I'm not a medium, I'm not a psychic, but they will, people who are sensitive will all tell you that a place like that, where there is negative energy like that, negative entities, they feed off of your fear, incite it at times too, you know, so that they can feed off of it. So it's an interesting place. I've got two more stories I'd love you to share. One is about Marshall Fields and company on State Street. Now Macy's, of course, you know, it was plagued with death and disaster and paranormal ramifications for more than a hundred years. Tell us a little bit about that eighth floor and, and Marshall Fields. Oh, it's such a fascinating story. That eighth floor of Marshall Fields was used as a temporary morgue and hospital for victims of the Iroquois theater fire of 1903. And that Iroquois theater stood right where the Nederlander Theater mm-hmm. is today, which was formerly the Oriental. This is, to this day, the worst single building fire in American history, uh, was the Iroquois Theater fire, which happened on the afternoon of December 30th in 1903, and it took the lives of 602 people. And this is a, I mean, this was a, uh, the first stop on our our tours every night for the last 20 years. It is still one of, you know, we talked about, um, you know, energy dissipating. This is one of those places where it just never goes away. And uh, I think there's a combination here of, you know, true hauntings, which, uh, you know, is that residual energy and still, you know, intelligent spirits that are there that are actually interacting with people. But yeah, many, many people were taken to the eighth floor of uh, Marshall Field and Company because um, the eighth floor was storage area at that time. And of course, the store had uh, sheets and blankets and towels mm-hmm. and everything else that they could use uh, to, to, to aid the victims of the fire. But it's fascinating because there have been 11 suicides from the eighth floor. Um, if the, uh, probably most of the listeners uh, in the Chicago area at least have been in the building. It's an atrium building, so it's all open in the middle. And up until just a few years ago, 
you know, you could like lean over yeah. the railings around the atrium, but now they've put up these plexiglass. Well, um, and it's closed now. So now the eighth floor, yeah. they sold it to another company. So it's no longer yes. part of, yeah, yeah. Yes. So um, it's interesting because the eighth floor is not as far as you can go, but right. the suicides have happened all from that floor. And I have had so many people over the years contact me uh, who worked at Marshall Fields over the years to tell me that they were absolutely terrified of going on the eighth floor. In fact, just two years ago, I got a letter from this lovely old woman uh, who lives in Tennessee now, and she had come to Chicago as a young a girl, you know, young woman, and she had got, she had written to Marshall Fields for a job, and she had gotten a job right before the Christmas season. She was so excited. This was, you know, really great job uh, being a sales girl at Marshall Fields in Chicago. She came to Chicago. She started her first day, and the manager took her up to the eighth floor where the lockers were at the time for the employees mm-hmm. and told her, put your coat in the locker, and then I'll show you, uh, you know, around with your duties. So she put her coat in the locker, and she said at lunchtime, she told the manager, I can't stay in this job she said the entire morning her mind was occupied by the thought i cannot go up to that floor every day and put my coat in that locker she could not face the prospect of going up to that floor so she lost this sweet job at marshall field and company in chicago as this young girl from tennessee because she could not face the thought of going up to that floor each day. The other one is, uh, and we've gotten some text on this too, the Congress Hotel. I mean, that's something that... Oh, my gosh. Yeah, right? You know, it's so funny. My whole family and I, we just watched the film 1408 the other night. I think it was two nights ago. Uh, Great film starring John Cusack as this uh, jaded paranormal investigator that checks into this room in this hotel that is so haunted that um, they don't let it out anymore. And I think something like 56 or 57 people had committed suicide in this room over the years. Great movie based on a short story by Stephen King. Well, Stephen King, according to legend, based this story on the Congress Hotel, which supposedly has this room that was so haunted, they stopped letting it out to visitors. And in fact, there is a room, and uh, there's been all sorts of talk about which room this is, which room this is. Um, There is a room on the sixth floor in the North Tower um, that has been boarded up, wallpapered over, so that the door is no longer there. And the window washers tell us that the furniture is still in the room. So they walled up the room with the furniture still inside. Uh, Very interesting. To me, it it reminded me of a story that I read, a great book that I read a few years ago called Possessed by Thomas Allen, a journalist who was a seminarian at St. Louis University when the True Life Exorcist case was going on there, which the exorcist is based on. That exorcism was held at St. Louis University uh, and by Jesuits from the university at Alexian Brothers Hospital in St. Louis. And this uh, journalist, Thomas Allen, was he was on the football team at the time, and the exorcist had invited some of these, you know, burly seminarians to assist on the in the exorcism because oftentimes the victim will have this, you know, superhuman strength. So there was a diary that was kept at that exorcism. And uh, Tom Allen grew up and became a journalist later in life, and he wrote a book about the exorcism, this great book, uh, including the diary in it. 
And he talked about in the uh, afterward of that book that after the exorcism, they had to take all the furniture out of the hospital room where the exorcism had occurred and bind the furniture with prayer and then put it away in a storage facility so that no one could ever go near it again. Well, you can check out all of Ursula's tours, events, stories, and more at chicagoghost.org. Her YouTube channel is Ursula Bielski's World of the Supernatural. Her books include Haunts of the White City and Chicago Haunts, and you can find those at Amazon.com. Ursula, so glad you hung out with us once again. Always great stories. Delightful as always, Dave. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Happy Halloween, Ursula. To you too, Dave. Good night. Good night.